Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. a brand new series titled Jesus, the name above all names. You can't go without a Sunday, a day, an hour, a minute of following him without mentioning him. And he's the most hated, debated, and celebrated individual. Look at how many times he showed up on Time Magazine. You can see so many different times people are asking the same question, who is he? Why'd he come? Are the miracles real? And here we in this Christmas season. Probably better pronounced Christmas because it's about Christ coming to earth. The exact date, not the emphasis that we should be focused on, but the person that came. And it's all about Jesus, always Jesus here at City Life, one of our number one passions in our vision mag, if you were to read it. First thing, always Jesus. He's the answer to all things. I remember walking with him in the early years of having my life totally transformed. And I had one of those bracelets, the WWJD bracelet. Mine was black and it was smelly. Like, I played hoop in it and everything, and Crystal and I were dating, and she'd be like, that bracelet reeks. But it reminded me all the time, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And today is more to start out, who is Jesus? W-I-J, who is Jesus? Who is he? Now, if he rose from the dead, he demands all of our attention affection and everything. So we kind of go there to start out. And he died on the cross, rose from the dead, saw by many, so much so that people were willing to devote their life to him even at the expense of their own life. Meaning that by an allegiance and alliance to Jesus was also a death sentence to the early church. Jesus threatened power struggles or created power struggles for the leaders. He threatened the regime of the day. We're here to remind us today that he is Lord, he is Savior. He did rise from the dead and he is all-powerful and 
We're zooming in on his name specifically today. His position, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. There's a lot of speculation in some of the scientific communities. Is there dimensions that we aren't aware of that is outside our realm that we can see? And I think the more as we kind of discover that, test that, we're going to keep discovering the answer is yes. There is. Because God is invisible. We have this unction in all of us and we have evidence that what we see is divinely orchestrated and ordered. We see a building. We don't have to wonder if if there was an architect because we see the building. And so we see all of creation. We know that there's got to be somebody behind it. Otherwise, what in the world would make sense? Like truly, what would? Where's evil? Where's love? What would make sense? How would order even happen? The fact that we could think that order came from chaos is, is, is just the hardest position to understand. Then I'm okay with the level of mystery that, okay, I might not know exactly the exact method or how it took place or when it took place, but I can tell something took place and there's a divine orchestrator, a master, a creator behind it all. And we see that, but it's the invisible God. Now, Jesus represents that image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the the glimpse, the face-to-face, the tangible. He showed up. God came in the flesh, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Picture that for a minute. God, the triune God is there, perfect in community. You've got God the Father, you've got Jesus Christ the Son, you've got God the Holy Spirit. I've heard people try to describe it maybe as water, you know, water can evaporate, water can be solid, and water can be a liquid, but yet it's all just water. And I know that that breaks down at some point, but, but it starts to then help us understand, how can we understand the Godhead? Well, we see that there is three distinct persons to the Godhead, but yet they're all one, and it is a beautiful truth that we as Christians believe. In his fundamental position. So that would be on page one. Like things that we can't disagree on. Would, there's, only, there's only a handful of them. But, but that's on a page one. That's one of those things we agree on is a triune God. And then in that triune God, that God the Father is pleased to create everything and put on display in this universe, in this earth, in this galaxy to say, hey, look, it's all about Jesus though, my son. Look at Jesus. Yeah, we've, we created this, and it's for him and through him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Before we even get to Jesus coming on earth as the baby, Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus raising from the dead, Jesus sending us out to go make a disciples, Jesus existed way before me and you, way before us. We have to pause in awe and say, Jesus, you're way bigger, you're better You're infinite, you're eternal. Who am I to question and wonder? But yet, what's so beautiful about this God is he invites us to question and to wonder. It all starts with he, the name, Jesus. Philippians 2, 
Verse 8, and being found in human form, Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Picture this banner, just lifted to the rafters. When a sports team wins the championship, they'll lift the banner up in the arena, and it'll be there. And you can come to the arena, and you can see, oh, they won a championship then. God's banner, he lifts up, he highly exalts Jesus and bestows on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow one day. We can either bow willingly Or we will be bowed outside our own ability just from the sheer presence of who Jesus is. This is why talking about who Jesus is, we didn't talk about what the Christmas story yet. We didn't talk about even, you know, we're not going to, what's the whole Christian rituals? How do we, you know, be even discipled? But it, it does come down to who is Jesus. And Jesus is the name above all names. He's coming for you and he's coming for me today. There's a new movie out, Mr. Rogers, right? Won't you be my neighbor? How about this? Let's meet our neighbors for a moment. Just meet your neighbor here and introduce yourself to some of your neighbors. Introduce yourself. If you don't know him, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jerome. It's good to meet you. Out there in the back, name's Jerome. Good to meet you. There you go. Meet your neighbors. Hello. I know many of you. I see some new faces. There you go. Meet your neighbors. Meet your neighbors. There you go. Meet your neighbors. Meet your neighbors. Now you got a name with the face, right? Because names are important. Names matter. People matter. Jesus' name matters. Multitudes of names chained to fame. The tenacious, the notorious, religious, and sacrilegious. What images flit across the window of your mind when you hear such names as Socrates and Churchill, Mussolini, Mandela, and Einstein? Do you recall when you hear Hitler? Does inspiration hit you between the eyes when you hear Armstrong? Do you yawn and roll those same eyes when you think of Shakespeare? Names are pregnant with purpose. That's what's in a name. And friends, if I may inquire, what stirs within the recesses of your soul when you hear Jesus' name? An enigma personified. Holy man, holy divine. Took on the lowest name, so slaves could reign as kings. Deity who chose to endure mortality so we could enjoy eternity. Why does no other name affect the skeptic, the heretic, and the majestic? The homicidal, suicidal, and the matinee idol. No other name changed nature, mindsets, and matter. Open blind eyes, deaf ears, and heal cancer. No other name came with this mandate. Heaven's kingdom expressed on earth. But if his miracles are just fairy tales, then why do millions gather putting their lives on the line for his name? conclusion that there is no other name and whether in two streets or millions we gather under no other name jesus no other name other than jesus 
So Jesus is, what is his name? What is he? What does his name mean? I wrote in my notes here, you better put some spec on it. Respect. Put some spec on it. Put some respect on his name. A lot of times if we were to hit our hand with the name, uh, you know, a hammer, we might not put some spec on it, but we'll say his name. All people will say his name, won't they? We shout it in all different types of forms. Jesus' name means Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation. It's translated from Hebrew in Aramaic. The name is Yeshua. The word is a combination of Yah and an abbreviation for Yahweh. The name of Israel's God and the verb Yasha, meaning rescue, deliver, or save. That in Jesus' name, when we state it, declare it, shout it, we're saying that God saves and it's active. It's an action. It's a pursuit to rescue, deliver, or save. The English spelling is Joshua, the name Jesus was quite popular during the first century in Judea. For this reason, our Lord was often called Jesus of Nazareth. I'm referencing a lot of this from Got Questions. If you want to Google that resource, this is how Jesus stood out was he was called Jesus of Nazareth because he grew up in the town of Nazareth in Galilee. And just as Joshua in the Old Testament led his people to victory over the Canaanites, Jesus in the New Testament leads his people to victory over sin and spiritual enemies. The rescuer, the deliverer. Now Jesus Christ, where does Christ come in? It's not his last name. In fact, many people will say Christ Jesus because Christ means chosen one or anointed one. So anointed one, chosen one, Jesus. Jesus, comma, the chosen one, the anointed one. Anointed being that somebody would have king and authority, anointed with oil from God, set apart, that this person's going to lead. And God was anointed when he came through Jesus. And as Jesus was anointed, he wasn't anointed by kings. Who was he anointed by? He was anointed by women that were forgotten about, that society deems as outcast, broken, insignificant, and yet those are the people that broke alabaster jars of oil symbolically that I'm here to anoint the king. And even the disciples missed it because the disciples were like, can't we sell all of that perfume, all of that anointing oil? Can't we sell all of that and give it to the poor? It's like, She's doing a greater thing because she recognizes who can actually rescue the poor. So we have to always prioritize. And as we prioritize, we understand that he is Christ, meaning also Messiah, the promise, the chosen one. We can use those interchangeably. In fact, the miracles that are recorded and the miracles that Jesus demonstrated was so that we would understand and know he is the anointed one. John 20 says these miracles are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, so that by believing you may have life in his name. Ancient Israel, when somebody was given the power of authority, they were anointed. God's anointing looked like he came, he just stepped up on the scene, he started doing the work of the kingdom, miracles, signs, wonders, but ultimately to restore people back to the Father, rescue them. 
rescue, 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 to rescue them. Jesus has a lot of nicknames. There's three tiers of some of these names. I want to rattle them off. The nature of Christ. He's the chief cornerstone, firstborn over all creation. We looked at with Colossians 1. He's the head of the church. He's the holy one. He's a judge. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. We say that so much, king of kings, lord of lords. Let's think for a minute. Line up all the rulers, all the rulers, presidents, United Nations rulers, Different rulers, all different countries. Line them all up. He's over all of them. They will bow as well. He's the light of the world, the prince of peace, the son of God, son of man. He's the word who came in the flesh. He's the tangible, the word that is tied, the, the vibrations, the sound waves manifested in human flesh, fully God, fully man. He's the word of God. He's the word of life, his position. He's alpha and omega beginning and end. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the great I am. He just is. Mic drop, I am. I am what? Jesus is what? I am. He existed before everything. He's Lord of all. He's one true God. His work on earth, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the bread of life. He's the bridegroom. He's the deliverer. He's the good shepherd. He's the high priest. He's the lamb of God. He's the mediator. He's the rock. Resurrection and life, he's savior, he's true vine, he's the way, the truth, and the life. His name is Jesus. All of that wrapped up in one single person. And the reason he's hated is because of our sin that only wants to hate the one threat that can save him. You know, we do this sometimes when we're caught up in our pity parties or our own wicked little seasons and our darkness spheres the people that can come and the people that are willing to rescue us what do we do a lot of times we bite them hit them get out of here get out of here we hurt our ones closest to us that's that sin nature but god he pushes through he pushes through that barrier and he gives us that choice and he's right there open hands open arms you don't have to hate him we can debate him forever what about this what about that okay let's talk but at the end of the day we're going to be face-to-face with the choice, who is Jesus? Is he the name above every name? We believe yes. So therefore, we celebrate him every time we get together on a Sunday. Hebrews 1 talks about he's the supremacy of God's son. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son from whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much more superior to the angels as the name as he inherited is more excellent than theirs. So even the angels have a reverence for Jesus when he steps in the room. I've said this many times, but friends, I haven't had anybody show me any other way that I can begin to understand how to read the scriptures other than watching science fiction movies. Science fiction, like Marvel Universe, thank you. Star Wars, thank you. DC Comics, thank you. Because you know what? I really believe that started to create a worldview and shaping me to say, I actually get this. 
Because in me, I've always wanted to believe in the, the fantasy, the dream. And I've believed that there was something. And so when I read these scriptures, I'm like, oh, it makes perfect sense. He's better than Spider-Man. He's better than Batman. Oh, Thanos bows to him. You know, because what are we reading? Like, you just go about it. We go to church like, amen. Like, he's above angels and universe. Everyone's like, amen. And then we go try to be all simple at work and try to explain it to somebody. This is difficult. That's why we just exalt him. Lift him up and let he draw all people close. That's why when worship starts happening, we just start crying because there's something in us, man. I was sitting backstage and I was like, I, it demanded a response. I was praying, I was preparing, then I started worshiping there and I was like, dude, I got to get closer. So then I got in the room and I just started worshiping in the back. I started just worshiping. Man, you're so good. I, I don't have to figure, you're, figure, Jesus, Jesus, you're the only one. You're the only one I'm living for. You're supreme. I want my spirit to fall in line. Now, as we think of the name of Jesus, we recognize there's a reputation that's associated with his name. Fair? When you hear about somebody, there's a reputation that precedes them. Now, sometimes you can tell. Have you ever met somebody when you feel like they've already met you, but they haven't met you just by the look on their face? The reputation precedes. That happens to me a lot. Because people, they'll talk about what city life's doing or something, and they, like, when they meet me, I can tell if it's very favorable or if it's kind of like this, like, oh, like you guys are the, the, you know, the extreme, kind of cutting edge, like, like oh, you guys are just, are you sinners? <laughs> Who are you? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I hear great things about, you know, they're biting their tongue. It's like, because their reputation proceeds. Now, in, in the messenger of how that's carried over, and I'm just using that as, just, it doesn't happen often, but you can tell when somebody meets you if they've already thought about you. And what they think about you. People haven't even got an opportunity to meet Jesus in a healthy way yet because there's a reputation that we've been carrying that we've been misrepresenting or we've been accurately, accurately representing. And for us, we all got to take inventory for that. Am I really representing Jesus well? Vets in the room, this is for us. Pull up a chair. Veterans, you've known Jesus for a long time. We are more prone to make a mistake because we're a little bit more vested in that direction. We're not having that teachability of a child. And then as we get further away from the dock, our position could be crazy good and crazy right, or it could be horrible and not right. So I think, how do we do that? we got to calibrate often, listen to other people's viewpoints, and look at who Jesus is. So therefore, we're not misrepresenting him. And this video by KB shows... A great picture of one of the biggest lies of the reputation of Jesus. Check it out. As you notice there on my album cover, there were some images of Jesus. Uh, some may not be familiar with it, but this is actually an early painting of Jesus. There was a moment on my album that was inspired by a conversation I had with a brother on the south side of St. Petersburg who was telling me that Christianity and African uh, heritage are actually in contradiction that as we were talking I told him I, I love Jesus and he almost fell out of his seat like why would you do something like that don't you know that's the white man religion and I remember telling him I think that that concept you're accusing me of being the victim of white supremacy but you don't realize that the concept that Jesus belongs to a particular race is actually the result of racial supremacy you see the thing is the images that we see of Jesus all over the world are not a reflection at all of the true Jesus of the Bible. People typically reproduce Jesus in their own image. 
why do we see a skinny white man in all these paintings? Because there was a skinny white man drawing it. Oftentimes, people will use that as a tool to oppress others. In reality, up till the first 600 years that Christianity existed, there were no pictures of a paler Jesus. He wasn't black, he certainly wasn't white. He was a man that existed above our racial categories, a Jewish Middle Eastern man. And as he stands before all of us, he gives salvation, not based on your color of your skin, but faith in his work. So as you see here on the ground, there's broken glass because the fact of the matter is that all our images of Christ are all broken. And the only image of Christ that we want to be seen above everything else is the us living out that image and loving our neighbor, serving his people, sharing his gospel. Though his ethnicity is important, we must realize that the power of Jesus in his saving work that transcends everyone who has abused his name. I believe as we gaze upon Jesus, as we look at him and we realize his affection and his love for us, that's so consuming. There's no condemnation, there's no judgment. And from that time of spending with God, it's even foreign for us to get because when we spend time, there's normally something tied to it. I'm investing time, I'm going to get money. I'm spending time, I'm about to then... I was thinking about married couples. Hopefully it'll lead to a fun night. I'm investing time. Time should lead to something. But with God, it's, it's pretty much separate, but yet it leads to something naturally. It's a byproduct. Not distorted in a way that manipulates us, but invites us to be face-to-face -face with a living God through Jesus. And as we're in that space... There's no judgment, there's freedom, there's love, there's acceptance. And then out of that comes, though, the, 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 the crazy radical thoughts that we want to love and we want to forgive, we want to pursue, we want to dream, we want to do acts of kindness, we want the fruit of the Holy Spirit painted all over the city. We want to care about people. And so there's going to be that wrestle, there's going to be that, that, that all the time, that, that battle. Well, how do we, how do we know if some, something's representing Jesus well or not representing Jesus well? And I think 1 John 4 helps us with that. You guys still here? Thank you, thank you. It's awesome. I love you guys. Uh, 1 John 4 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Test the reputation. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know that the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses, this is it, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you, this is where that verse comes from. He who's in you is greater than he that is in the world. Who's in the world? The spirit of the Antichrist, the anti-Jesus, wanting to destroy us, wanting to destroy people that represent who Jesus is, the image, that Jesus is the full image. Why does Satan want to hate Jesus so much? Why is Jesus' name brings fear and trembling to darkness? Why? Because he's the only real threat. That's why we can talk about anything in school, just don't bring up Jesus. 
I got invited to a school event one time, and they were like, oh, you're about to go on, but don't. The mayor's here. They were like, the mayor's here, so you can't talk about Jesus. I said, you invited me? This is crazy. I said, I'm fine. I go in schools. We won't talk about Jesus if that's what you don't want. I'm here for education, here for the kids. It's fine. We can separate those two, but I don't think the mayor's going to care that much. No, 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 we're going to lose our funding. I was like, it's not that deep, but didn't I hear that you brought some Hindus here a few weeks ago, and there were some Muslims too, and they got to share what they got to talk about? And it was just kind of like, but it's all good, player. It's all fine. It's all fine. I went up there, did my thing. And then they were like, you got CDs here? You're going to give CDs to all the kids? I was like, yes, yeah, give a CD to every kid. And guess what was all in those CDs? Come on, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's all good. You know what I mean? Because what, what are we scared of? Bring it all out. Bring out every worldview. We shouldn't hide nothing. What do you mean we can't have Jesus in a song? I mean, whatever. And, like, and we can have, uh, we can present different faiths to our children. I'm, I'm like just saying, because here's the thing. I don't think those will lead our children astray. I think it'll, if anything, people will double down and be like, yep, Jesus. Man, that ain't making sense, but Jesus makes sense. That don't make Jesus. Jesus. That's what that first John 4 means. Jesus. Friends, it's all about Jesus. John 14, Jesus tells us that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is an exclusive call to be a Christian. It is exclusive that it's Jesus only, but it's inclusive that anybody can come. So there is only one road. We're not all getting up there from different gods, and this is challenging because I would way rather just be accepted by everybody. I'd rather say nothing controversial. But I really believe it. Because I look at the other ways, I'm like, dead end, dead end, dead end. That, that road's horrible. Jesus' road, beautiful, worth it, perfect, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we get on that road? Romans 10 tells us this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with my mouth, part, connection. Friends, the Bible is all about Jesus. The best tip on how to read the Bible and why we often don't read our Bible is because we, we don't understand it, and it's difficult, and w- w- where do we start? Well, Jesus showed them in Luke 24, after he rose from the dead, he shows up to some people on the road to Emmaus, and he starts breaking down a Bible study. Wouldn't that be cool to be in a Bible study with Jesus? Wouldn't that be awesome? A Bible study with Jesus? Why did Jesus leave? Because he knew that he didn't need to lead the Bible study. He gave you the Holy Spirit so that you and me could lead the Bible study. He believed in us so much that we could represent him to the world. He chooses to let this divine nature, the one who created the universe, flow through imperfect, broken people. What kind of God is this? Incarnate. Incarnate leadership. Proximity matters. Getting close to people matters. And he breaks down in all the scriptures from Moses and the prophets. He interpreted to them that all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. It's all about Jesus. And then the same chapter, just a few moments later, he lets the disciples in on the same thing. From the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, all had to be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Can we pray that today? That we would open our mind to understand the scriptures concerning Jesus? Not looking for some self-help or relationship tips or how to get rich and all those things. They're, they're byproducts of walking with Jesus. But can we just see more of who Jesus is? 
the greatest relationship we'll ever have? You ever watch news stations, anybody? That's an embarrassing thing to admit, I know, but I watch them every once in a while. Anybody? No one wants me to say, like, I actually watch it. (laughs) But we do. We're aware of it. And a lot of times there's bad news. But the whole essence of when we say Jesus' name, and this is where we're going to start to close. we got 15 minutes. We're spending some time here, okay? We're worshiping today. We're responding. Because the good news is that Jesus came to rescue us. But the bad news is that we needed to be rescued. And if we can't come to the place that we believe we needed to be rescued, we're always going to struggle with this, that Jesus is God coming through for the rescue. That's what Jesus is. It's God coming through for the rescue. Did he give up on his people? No. In fact, when Jesus showed up on the scenes, envision this, for 400 years, 400 years, prayers weren't answered. 400 years, prophets weren't speaking. 400 years, God's kingdom wasn't on the advance. Known as the dark age, the, this, this, silent, or this silent period. That God was silent for 400 years, but yet God's plan must be so much bigger than our own timeline that then steps in Jesus into the story of all of humanity because Jesus was here to set back in order what God originally created that got led astray because of sin. Now here comes Jesus. He shows up on the scene. And as Jesus comes in John 1, 17, it says, for the law was given through Moses. Now the law is very, think of it. When you see a police, uh, a cop car, you know, doing the speeding thing and doing that, like, which, why are you out on Thanksgiving? Why? I wanted to tackle you. It's just so, but shout out to the police force. I respect them and everything. Got to pay the bills. But I was just thinking, why don't you just, can I, can I, can I get an email? And you can, I can just donate 10 bucks so I don't have to see you for speed on the holiday, you know, it's jacking with me. I just want to drive on the road, you know? And you get that feeling. I start driving worse. I think I'm drunk. I'm not drunk. I haven't drank in 20 years. What's happening to me? But anyways, because the law does something to you, doesn't it? The law makes you feel a certain type of way. Now, the law is good. God's law is perfect, but it leads us to the fact that we need to be rescued. Moses brought that. And when the law came down, people were like, oh, we can't ever. They started to scatter. But when Jesus came through grace and truth, That was God's plan. People came close. Why was Jesus accused of being a friend of sinners? Because people wanted to come close to him now. The law fully represented, but in a way that we'd never seen before, that Jesus is grace and Jesus is truth. That God comes through for the rescue. And we're not under the law. We get to now be sons and daughters of the king. I got one last video, and I want to call the worship team up close. This is Jim Carrey talking about a painting of Jesus he made. It's a clip. Peep game. The energy that surrounds Jesus is electric. I don't know if Jesus is real. I don't know if he lived. I don't know what he means. But the paintings of Jesus are really my desire to convey Christ consciousness. I wanted you to have the feeling when you looked in his eyes that he was accepting of who you are. I wanted him to be able to stare at you and heal you from the painting. You can find every race in the face of Jesus. 
And I think that's how every race imagines Jesus. They imagine him as their own. clip is fascinating to me because he he says i don't know if jesus is real but there's something electric about this painting (laughs) i'm like i love that you said that i do think he's real and i think there's something very electric about that painting and he goes i want every person to be able to look at it and they get healed i thought oh i believe that i believe that i believe he's being used And that painting could heal people because Jesus is so powerful. When he shows up in any type of mind or setting or any situation, he's coming to rescue. And so today, like, let's go to a place. Let's close here today to say, I'm sorry for all the time. Whatever it is that we feel like we can't be rescued from today, say, I'm sorry for that nonsense. We might need the ultimate rescue this morning to to genuinely be saved. For the first time to say, Jesus, take my life. I'm a wretched sinner. I need a new life, new hope, new peace. I don't want my life. I want to accept you, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And I know that if I'm with you, I am A-OK. You are my first love. So the exchange and the invitation is simple. It's to bring whatever is feeling like a barrier or a burden, whatever is holding us down, to simply say, I'm sorry, Jesus. I give it to you, and I accept all all of your mercy, all of your love, all of your healing, all of your power, all of your newness, I accept you. And I just want you. Will you worship with me? Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.